idea. You two need to tell me what's going on right now. Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's Hall at the Waterhole. A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's nursery for a stroll. It's time to neighbors. CJK and Bea. Let's get the neighbors. Hello, this is Neighbors. We are the Neighbors Recap Podcast, and we dissect episodes of the Aussie soap opera Neighbors, the ones that have just aired in Australia. Unfortunately, the UK is lagging because of reasons that do not make sense. But we're getting through. I'm Vaya. I am a TV writer who is between gigs, but I can't suspend disbelief. Uh, and this time, we're doing isopod, and I'm dialing up the gals momentarily, but just trying to do more of a slimline pod to make the edit a little bit easier during iso times, because editing all of us remotely on different tracks takes me a hot minute, so just trying to condense the flow. So I'm going to start off with Neighbours Council Business. The business, again. I am, of course, in Melbourne's PirateNet Studios. A couple of items of council business. Firstly, thank you to anyone who's sent messages on socials, just thanking us for continuing on with the pod during pandemic life. It's all of our pleasures. It's a delight for us to do. A couple of newbies that have joined our Facebook group, the Neighbours Council, which is, i got to say, the best place to be on the internet these days, Rianne joined the group and in response to the question, where do you listen to the podcast? Rianne says, I'm listening to my first one right now. So welcome to the fam. Let us know what you think. Love your feedback. And also welcome Caitlin, who says I've never listened, but I've just been invited to this group so that I can participate in the quiz tonight with my friend Julie. The bloody quiz is taken over. Being bloody usurped. No, it's good. It's great. Loving the quiz. Different quiz masters in the Neighbours community have just taken it upon themselves to grouped questions and put them to everyone else who wants to play along. It's on UK time, Friday nights, but the feed stays up in the group so you can challenge yourself at any time, really. I think that's all the business. Um, I'm very lonely. I'm going to fire up Grace and Global and connect to our usual co-hosts, because it's just a sad old state of affairs, Isopod. Okay, one more item of business, but I'll dial in the gals for this one. So now we should have Kate from, are you at the Motelna Centre? I am. I'm back here. And let me tell you, we have got some great COVID-19 carrot juice cures going. If anybody wants to come over, we can cure you with the juice of vegetables. No, that's not going to work unless you put immune booster at the start of it. That's what everyone's oh, doing now. Oh, mate, that's why we haven't had any business. There you go. <laughs> I just got a personalised text from my chemist saying they've got a, a new shipment of hand sanitizers in just for their, like, oh, special customers. I hope it's, I hope it's the good shit. <laughs> Last time I went there, there were just bottles that were labelled virus killer. So. Are you sure that's a, a chemist and not just, like, some sort of weird voodoo place you're going to? I'm not sure. It might be Mannix related. Now, we also have CJ. Which apartment are you in? So I'm at the Mackenzie Mannix McManix apartment, the townhouse <laughs> of possibly meth labs. <laughs> nice. What was his thoughts with putting just a padlock on? Because he can't lock it when he's inside the room. What's to stop Mackenzie going, oh, hey, Mannix, and then catching him, you know, mid gas can? Oh. Oh, gosh. I hope she doesn't walk in on that. And she's like a little deer, baby deer. For someone who is afraid of everything, Mackenzie You'd think you'd bring in 
like a shy girl, not a menacing thug. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into that. I've got to round off Neighbours Council business with some birthday shout outs. Firstly to baby Harold and baby Lou each had a birthday this week in the Neighbours world. Happy birthday, two and four. The terrible twos are, have already started. So there we go. I missed them with with um, baby Madge, but baby Harold's bringing enough of them both. <laughs> and we had a message on our Facebook page from Kaylee, who wants to wish a happy birthday to Ryan over in London for the 26th of April. He's a huge fan of the podcast. He's listened to us for years. And a few months ago, we shouted out Kaylee and Ryan got jealous. So... Mate, we'll sh- we will shout you out. Just let us know what you need, gang. We're here for you. Yeah, and I know Ryan from Instagram. He's sent me a nice message before and I just, you know, I'm so glad that we can be part of his birthday. I asked if you had a favourite Neighbours character and Kaylee sent me a picture of the funeral program she had made up for Sonia in loving memory because I guess he was devastated oh. for the loss of Sonia so she made him like a condolence card. <laughs> I want to be part of this friendship. Can can it be a three ship? That's very caring. That's the sort of stuff that goes on at CJ's Instagram posse feelings. <laughs> this is business. It's not personal. Now, what we're going to do in our new Svelte episode this week is we're each going to bring, instead of a deep dive, we're each going to splash around in one of the plot lines that spoke to us individually. I'll kick us off. Since we've just already brought it up, the McManics Meth House who was a hub of activity this week. These are the episodes from April 13 to 17. By the way, the UK is getting an extra episode next week, bringing them up to three. Come on, that is piss poor from Channel 5. I'm not going to say much else about it other than that is a piss poor effort. And look, it's a positive though. At least they're not going to be 13 weeks behind at the end of all this <laughs> But we're all the bloody Mark Brennan maths meme now. No one's going to work out where anyone is. How are they going to fix it? Are they going to run double episodes like Endgame? Or are they going to give us a Christmas break? Yeah, I am the telenovela frowning maths lady right now. I think, oh, is that where it's from? A Spanish yeah. show? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Now, when we last left this house, this apartment, which I'm obsessed with, Mackenzie had just grabbed whichever criminal she could find off of some nefarious app that Roxy put her onto. And no references, cash in hand, rent, bond. It's Mannix, uh, Mannix Foster. He has the last name. He comes in, padlocks up his, his room and is persnickety about who Mackenzie's inviting round. She's like, uh, I live here and my friends are coming over. And just as everyone's starting to get sus, so Harlow's over. She's like, what's going on with you? There's a bloody cop sting. The Erinsborough police raid the apartment. It was like a SWAT team. So Sky was there and I just thought that's a bit weird. But then I thought back to Detective Mechanic and Sky come by the Kennedys and Detective Mechanic purposely points out that if it's got to do with Finn, you know, because the Finn robbery for the Kennedys was tied up in Finn, that he's there. So I guess that has looped Sky into this investigation. But it just seems ridiculous because she's like a murder investigator or detective or whatever and she's suddenly doing raids for possible meth dens so you did kate get jason donovan's daughter yep and his sister yes so she's um harlow's real life auntie yeah and they got to do some action sequences Mm. that was really fun then you've got like officer stoney who's leading this case it's like stonefish or becky i found kate did you get that vibe from this officer yeah a little bit yeah 
Yeah, he's like, what are you talking about? Who is this person? What is his job? And Mackenzie's like, I don't know. I'm really dumb. (laughs) I'm doing year 12 and I want to be a lawyer. Good luck, honey. They haul ass down to the cop shop and Paul immediately goes off at Harlow, which will snowball later in the week. And she's like, whoa, I just went to my friend's house and the fuzz turned up. And then it's all connected that Mannix has raided the Ken Den. And by the way, he's stopped by Paul's house to offer him the rest of his payment for the the money he fleeced off of Jane when he, as Dr. Naka reminds us, you know, Mannix, he's Jane's catfish. And Kyle's like, who? What? <laughs> What's Jane's catfish mean? I thought more people knew about that, but apparently not. It is a bit of a strange one to weave into general conversation. Also, some really heavy shit's gone down since then. Like, her drama is like nothing. Oh, you're bankrupt. Oh, well, boohoo, lady. I was thrown down a mine shaft and had my leg bloody broken. I've got to say, what an organised criminal. Like, he came round. He was on the run at this point. The cops had invaded his house. And he was like, no, I've got to get round to see Paul and settle those debts. And he'd already arranged them. So he'd done all the logistics. And he was ready to settle his debts. And it reminds me of Gary Canning because he went to the grave without ever settling that Amy debt, whereas this guy, man of honour. He's a criminal of honour, our Maddox, isn't he? Now, I did enjoy the Rebecca's swooped in, Puffy and Dippy, to look after Mackenzie. And I loved at the cop shop. They're like, "What? why do you have a housemate? She's like, let's not talk about this now in front of my new friends, the police. I'll tell you at home. So they sit around at the Rebecca house. The whole story tumbles out of Mackenzie. And I love the line where she goes, I had to make stuff up. <laughs> you didn't have to make anything up. She's like, I had to live on my own in, in a scam house so that my auntie would trust me to live on my own. Why didn't she just move to Fremantle? Because, well, this part I understand. She's moved around her whole life. She's been bullied from school to school when she transitioned and she's finally somewhere where she has friends and a boyfriend and a stable life. She's halfway through year 12. I can understand not wanting to move states. I had a friend in high school who moved schools in the middle of year 12 and she's still not over it. But just either say a different lie to your auntie that's easier for everyone to swallow or try harder to ask the people that you know to live with them. Well, now we know that Mannix's surname is Foster. Maybe she could have said, hey, I'm just under foster care. Ooh, yeah. David and Aaron are going to foster me. (laughs) Wouldn't have that been the best solution? That's a beautiful solution because we'll we'll mention their new arc coming up. But Puffy and Dippy have a private word to Toadie and they land on the solution that we know from the opening sequence that Mackenzie will bunk in with them which is very welcoming and lovely of them. But where are they putting her? <laughs> Let's do the maths. So Toadie's got a room. Dippy and Shane have got a room. Yashvi's got a room. I assume Nellie and Hugo are sharing a room. So that's already four bedrooms. Is there a fifth bedroom? Is she going to be sleeping in the garage? You can only assume Kershaw was in with Yashvi. So I guess Mackenzie's taking Kershaw's bed. So it sucks if you want to visit Kershaw. There is no room at the inn. Guess um Yash isn't having Ned over anytime soon either. Yeah. While all that's being resolved, Hendrix tackles Mannix on the cul-de-sac, which is another great move. Um, yeah. No. When my husband saw that, he was like, "Oh my god, Hendrix is going to be beaten up." But no, he actually um, managed to hold him down. I guess he's on the roids. I reckon. 
But Kate Hendricks has trained for this. You've seen him pump an iron with his dad. I saw him at the shed this week and I thought, this is the biggest scam I've ever seen in my life. Like, go and take a jog around the block, mate. That's not personal training, is it? Actually, that's a question I wanted to put to CJ. What sort of a PT session is it when you turn up and your personal trainer says, do a couple of laps on the block and I'll talk to you after? Um, A good one. What? So I would say it's either a hit or a boot camp. And that's how most of the sessions I used to do when gyms existed um, started. And I hated it. Doesn't the trainer have to run with you to motivate you? No. They just say, if you don't come back, I'll hate you forever. And you go, please, I'll do whatever you want. That's the equivalent of a teacher saying, just do private reading time and then I'll think of something. Well, you know, running on the road is... I remember saying to a personal trainer once, you know those like ab lifters? Remember those ab curler machines that were for sale on online at night? Yeah. At, like on TV at night? And I said, oh, maybe I should get one of them. And she said, if you want to work out one tiny muscle in your stomach, get one of them. But if you want to like actually work out your whole body, you need to like run on a road or yeah. swim or whatever. And so like doing something like that without then anyone backing you up is hard. And that's why a good trainer will make you do it. And get paid for it. What a scam. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you come back in, you're going to do a whole lot of ridiculous workouts that they're going to be part of. But this will just be the warm up. That's why Aaron's never at that gym. He's just like, eh, I'll just get him to do some laps and I'll come and have this scene in the house and then I'll go back over there. Just throw these ropes around too. Oh, I miss ropes so much. And tyres. Oh, (laughs) so much. You can go find them in the street if you want. We've got some tyres here. It's not the same. Manix drops a massive burn on Ramsey Street. Because he's like, oh, what? No one locks their side gates. So I was here just scoping out the joint in front of the robbery because he does not, doesn't want to throw Paul in it because Paul's like, all right, well, don't blow the lid on you needing to pay me back. It's plausible deniability, though. Like, how nobody locks their doors, let alone their side gates. Mm. Now, this paves the way for one of the big clashes of the week, which is Harlow v. Paul. It kicked off last week in the aftermath of Prue's memorial. Well, it's actually kind of Harlow and Tarage and then everyone else V. Paul, culminates in this amazing scene that reminded me a bit of Gogglebox watching The Bold and the Beautiful where there was like nine people having a confrontation about Brooke and Ridge's relationship. By the end of the week, it's like every single resident that's connected to Paul is like having an intervention about what a shitbag he is. And you know what? How soon they forget. Like Paul pretty much saved everyone on Bum Island, didn't he? He's the only person who drove down to the island to try and save Harlow. You know, saved Jared, Rebecca's life, got kidnapped by old mate Harry, got Harry to actually take his boat over to save the rest of the losers on Bum Island, got them all down the bloody mineshaft, which is pretty impressive for a guy who's been pushed off a cliff twice in jumping down a mineshaft. I actually had forgotten all of this. <laughs> and that's, they've all forgotten. They're all a bunch of assholes. Cut in some slack. Yeah. He's a bloody meddler, though. You know what I was annoyed at? This is the oldest storyline in Neighbours and I'm so sick of it. All of Paul's family. And fair enough, they get to run it every few years because he has a new family every few years. Yeah. But Paul's family is annoyed at the way he acts. I'm, I'm bored of the storyline. Give me other things. Also, each family member is holier than the last. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like who'd have thought that they could out holy bloody Amy with Harlow? But there you go. Because you've got, you know, the serial killer, attempted serial killer in Rob Rob, and you've got um, business mogul in L. and then the further down you go in the family tree, the squeakier they are. Yeah, and I just, it's an unfair match to have David as the child left to stand up to him as well, because he's just, 
like lovable and adorable and should just go and spend time with his husband and it just doesn't I don't know, it doesn't ring true. And you know, you know what? Aaron was to blame for not going back to that meeting. Like, what was that all about? He's got to take a bit of blame for not returning for the, to that meeting. So Aaron and David have this meeting with a foster carer because, as we all know from society, you know what moves really fast? The foster system. It does. They have fast-tracked a meeting. Yeah, and I hear, you know, adoption's only 48 hours now, so that's good. <laughs> now, apparently that takes too long. Oh, mm. But massive props to Aaron who, when Paul says to him, can you put these stolen iPads somewhere? Aaron's like, sure. There's a place called Erinsborough Police Station. They would like to have them. Did, did you see the actual quote-unquote iPads? The art on the box said that they were um, PC tablets. Oh. Politically correct or? Well, I'm not sure. They, they didn't look like anything you'd spend more than like 30 bucks on at Aldi, though. Well, that's made probably why Aldi's special buys can um, <laughs> supply them. It's a good deal. Um, the Education Minister of Victoria mentioned that 3,000 pieces of equipment were going out on loan to kids that didn't oh. have tablets or um, laptops yesterday in his press conference. I assumed that these just got delivered to the shed <laughs> and this is what the kids are meant to be using at the moment in lockdown. <laughs> they might not have all the same apps, but mm. they, they get the job done. Yeah, they've got like, you know, Word X instead of Word, but it's all right. Um, maybe if you want to add another layer, imagine if they were in with the 3D printing gang and they were 3D printed tablets. <laughs> Guns and Audi tablets. They're just helping people learn. One of the other things I delighted in that this storyline birthed this week is to rage rage straight to 11 at all times with her husband. This is all on you. Manix Foster. He would never have been out there terrorising those girls if you'd just turned him into the police for what he did to Jane. What do you want me to say, Therese? The guy owes us a lot of money, which we can kiss goodbye if he ends up in jail. I mean, how was I supposed to know that's where he was getting his money? Um, he's a criminal. It's not a stretch. I love it, because they're not... When Dippy and Shane fight, you think they're on the brink of divorce. But when Therese and Paul fight, it's got a beginning, a middle and an end. It goes in waves, and I ride that wave, and it's fun. Also, I think that they're just committed to their vows and they're like, for better or worse. And so she's like, okay, fine. My husband's shit, but... Oh, come on. She's going, my husband's shit, but I lived for like 25 years with Drab Willis. Mm. I know shit and he's not that shit. Exactly. And really, all Tarage wants is a bit of honesty and he, he's a bit of a buffoon. Like she says, just tell me what you're up to. And he goes, okay, good idea, honey. Neck minute. He's off at the shed hiding his fake iPads. It's like, just tell her. In his defence, he couldn't have told her because they were all at breakfast together there. So he would have had to have told everyone. When they had all just said, please involve all of us in all your shonky dealings so we know what we're in for. But do you think that's really fair? Because as Paul says, if they know, then they're implicated. He's just trying to protect them. But he's like... The old nonna's in Looking for Alabrandi. He inserts himself into every narrative. There's always nonna's spiring. It's the biggest and most thorough in the Southern Hemisphere. It usually takes them anywhere between 18 minutes and two days to get back to her. You know, once it only took them 12 minutes because three of nonna's CIA operatives are in the same house having a Bessemer party. The only reason he's in this Mannix mess, well, apart from, like, trying to kill him to settle Leo's debts is because he involved himself in Jane's catfishing problem directly. It's like he cannot have a hands-off approach to anyone's issues. 
Yeah. He cares too much. Oh, mate. <laughs> no, no, I'm with you, CJ. Thank you, Kate. They're all a bunch of ungrateful shits. He's kept them out of the clink and he saved them all. Oh, they can all get stuffed. I think he's a narcissist. He makes it all about him. Oh, yeah. I, I don't disagree with you there. He's a narcissist, but he's a lovable narcissist. <laughs> yeah, and I think he loves as well. I don't think he's a pure narcissist. But he's like Lenny from Of Mice and Men. He loves to the point of squeezing the damn baby animal in his hand to death. Yeah, but then he pats it like Mr. Evil, you know? Look, Harlow is a pretty damaged kid anyway. She didn't have the best mothering, didn't have any fathering as well, so she's a pretty prickly personality. And look, it is very satisfying to have him get told off because he's Teflon, he doesn't give a shit. So it is quite satisfying to have people just hurl shit at him. And him just having to cop it. Although, I must say, having been brought up by Prue and she's got a murderous dad that she didn't know until recently, but still, it's weird that they make Harlow this holier than now. It's, it is a bit odd, right? Like, where did she get this from? I, I think she's rebelling against her mum's looseness. Fair enough. Yeah, I think it's a classic trope in other fiction. You know, the wild card parent and then the buttoned up you know, it's Gilmore Girls, it's... Um... Gilmore Girls. Imagine a Harlow Prue <laughs> style story, Gilmore <laughs> Girls. Oh, Where you lead, I'll follow. Just don't take the... What was that car? I was going to say, man, this is all just like references that I, I'm totally floating over <laughs> me. It's like when you talk about music from the early 90s. <laughs> like looking for Ella Brandy. Oh, that was a classic. I love it. I love it's it. a literary and filmic classic looking for Alibrandi. Yeah, but I had to study different films in high school. No, not for study, for leisure. These were fun books and films. Maybe you were just that little bit too young. I was that little bit too old for them. Looking for Alibrandi was the most stolen book in um, Australia from libraries. I would have thought Judy Blooms forever, but never mind. I had to study a book in year seven. You guys will remember that my original high school was like half Greek anyway. The book that we studied was about a, a young Greek girl and her yaya. And in the movie, or in the little telly movie of the book, she was played by Rebecca Omaloglu. <gasps> oh, really? I'm going to have to dig it up. I can't remember what the hell it was called. Vaya needs to watch this. Whatever this is, Vaya needs this. I'll watch it if you watch or read Looking for Alibrandi because, Kate, you studied Italian and Alibrandi is all about the Italian culture. What's it got? Pia Miranda. She was in Neighbours once, wasn't she? Also, she was on... Did she date Toadie? She was on my plane on the way home from the Logies. <laughs> That's where else she's known from. She won Australian Survivor last year too. She, yeah, I think that was before the, I saw her on the plane. So I was like, oh, it's Looking for Alibrandi. <laughs> found her <laughs> yeah <laughs> sidebar can I just do a tiny sidebar I'm yeah eight months preg with baby coos and it's really annoying like I'm sitting at the table and my bump is in the way of the table <laughs> and it hurts and it's annoying how do people are you able to pick things up from the ground or are they dead to you once they're on there now I yeah I, I try to avoid that <laughs> like I made KB do the bottom shelf of the dishwasher before it's too low. Uh, I mean, I think that's his job forever now. Yeah, but I can't. It's such a, a weird sensation, isn't it? You can't describe it to anyone who hasn't been oh, pregnant. It's like I have to move the mic. It's really weird. Okay, it was. she was in a thing called Five Times Dizzy and she played Marika Nakakis. Marika. <laughs> Marika Nakakis. <laughs> oh, Marika. If she was a boy, they might as well have just called her Spiro. <laughs> My neighbour's <laughs> named Spiro. <laughs> Guess who played her mum? This is like, think of like a more, um, you know, mum-aged Greek lady from Australia. Mary Kustis? 
Mary Costacides. <gasps> she's not an actress. She's a journo. Exactly. This was a quality production. They're like, we can't find any Greek people in showbiz. All right. 30 minutes. Maybe we can buddy watch this. <laughs> okay. We'll send it around. All right. Well, Kate, why don't you talk us through some of the light relief for the week? Yes. Well, on Thursday, we went through an absolute journey with Roxy. She had she had sass. She had some great one-liners. And, of course, um, Roxy's been busted for giving Mackenzie some shocking advice and also scamming Auntie Trish. So we start off in that um, breakfast scene that I mentioned before, and Roxy's wanting a third cup of coffee. Sidebar, CJ, can you please review what Roxy's wearing for this entire day? So Roxy wears um, a pair of not very tight active wear pants and a very loose hot pink shirt. Um, this is sort of, I would say this is not my Sunday best, but this would be my Saturday best probably. <laughs> but for her, apparently it's quite laid back. And it is from what we know she normally wears. She was also wearing some um, purple Uggs too. Oh, she was. And key part, she had a droopy ponytail. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like a dog, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> it's like when your dog's got a droopy tail, you know things aren't right. Yeah. <laughs> So for that third cup of coffee, she decides she'll go and catch up with Coil. And you've got to remember the last time that we saw the two of them together, Gaz Can Can cock blocked them. Yeah, and that photo is still at a creepy angle in that house. His, his eyes are moving. <laughs> <laughs> so she reintroduces herself to Coil and like plays a game where she's calling him Con. And he's all like, <laughs> and um, so he offers to make up to their um, failed dinner date and to take her out for dinner again. And so she agrees and then he's got like this really dumb grin on his face, bold and beautiful style as the scene closes. And um, side note here for me is that Zimmer, like we all know Zimmer's pretty short, but um, she actually had to sit on the kitchen bench to be in the same conversation with Coyle. <laughs> Kate, this brings me to a question I had for you specifically. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about the Ugg boots on the kitchen bench? Mm. I don't look – see, we're not wearing shoes inside family here. Yeah. It's not right. Particularly because, you know, I can stand wearing slippers inside if they're not an outside shoe. And in Australia, Uggs really are just slippers, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, it's gross. Wait, CJ has a different perspective. I mean, (laughs) I've worn my Ugg boots everywhere. (laughs) Um, I've worn them to New York. Since Kate Hudson wore them on the poster for Raising Helen, I think all bets are off. Mm. Another reference I know nothing of. <laughs> oh, I don't watch rom-coms. It's got good parenting tips in there. Oh, that's all I watch. Yes. Um, really? You tried to tell me a YouTuber today had good parenting <laughs> trips and tips when previously we've discussed her neglect of her children. No, I said she had good cleaning tips, not good okay, parenting okay. tips. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought it was really inappropriate. And can't she just do the legs hanging off the table? Wouldn't that have made it a lot less weird? Maybe she was squatting and we just couldn't tell. Yeah. I think it's because of um, COVID. Like my nurse friend is all about, if you know, disinfecting herself. And she's like, shoes off the minute you come home and clothes are like, change your clothes. And it's like, shoes are a big disease carrier. So now I'm like hyper alert on shoe situations. But also like you walk in oil on the street, you walk in like, you know, probably remnants of dog shit and everything like that. It's gross. So shoes off, guys. This is another thing I evangelize on. Shoes off inside, please. Okay, so moving on, um, Coil heads down to the pub and gets uh, Ned to organize a quote unquote fancy corner table at the terrace which you might might remember the terrace being just a month ago his late father's wedding venue so oh. yeah hasn't um 
Obviously, that didn't matter. Coyle also spills the beans that um, he and Roxy bumped uglies too, which is kind of creepy that you'd tell her cousin slash proto brother that. Before you just said that, I quite like the the mateship between Kyle and Ned, but now you've just reminded me of the family connection. I've now reversed my decision. <laughs> but I am a fan of the terrace, and I think that that, that set doesn't get used enough because I like it as a venue. I think I'd have a nice lunch there. I wonder if they'll still have the gold key of RE chairs there. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, they've been they've, they're long gone. They're at another venue now. Um, I think that they should move like Ned there, like to work or something. They could use it all the time if they did that. Yeah, he's the specialized waiter for up there. The sommelier up there. <sighs> that I like that for him. He could change to that being his career instead of a wall tattooist slash porter. Going back to Coxie, Ned's passed his judgment and he thinks that they make weird sense, which is that's a ringing endorsement, isn't it? <laughs> But he also thought that Coyle is younger than Roxy's usual type. And bearing in mind that Coyle's probably 15 years older than Roxy, that's that's concerning. Yeah. And just like everybody else in the universe, Ned thinks that the terrace is a terrible idea for a date with Roxy. It is. Why is that? Look, we've seen her. Well, we have seen her. Obviously, Coyle didn't see this, but we saw her having a posh date with Detmec. Where she, remember she tried to go all kind of Eliza Doolittle there? Oh, that's right, at the tram. Yes, he did not take to it, did he? Okay, so Conrad Colby, who was Vance, Roxy's previous boyfriend, is 39 and Chris Milligan is 31. Oh, okay, all right. I judge him harshly because I thought he was 35. But still, you know, he's still at least 10 years older than her. Yeah, it's like Ned was implying that Vance and Puffy are like in their 50s. Puffy's got to be pushing 50. How, what's his name again? Nicholas Coughlin. Coughlin. All right, I'm just getting some real life perspective here to keep us grounded. He is, oh, he's got lovely eyes. Oh, he does. Look, see, see, you know, like we've talked about this before. He is the Dilf of the street. I don't know if I'm there yet. Oh, come on. Once once you're a, a MILF, you'll decide that he is the Dilf of the street. <laughs> that will do the test again. Ask me again in like six weeks. No, no, no. You, we've got to wait at least six months after that point because you'll be like, nobody's sexual at all to me. Nobody, nothing is sexy. Why? It's so unfair because at the moment everything is sexy Mm. to me. I'm worried that I don't want that to go, (laughs) but I know it's going. I was going to say other parts of you may disagree. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how old he is. He's ageless, whatever. He's a bit ageless actually because he's just like that rough around the edges Australian guy. You can't really tell. But yeah, you're right. He's got beautiful eyes. He's got kind of like, he smiles through his eyes too. And yeah, and Detmec, they're all in their late 30s. But anyway. Anyway, so then we see Roxy back with Rage. And as we discussed her outfit before, and she's going on this dinner date, which turned into a lunch date with Coyle. And Rage catches her and orders her to do the dishes and vacuuming before she leaves as a punishment for the <laughs> Mackenzie situation. And Rage is getting suspicious as to why she's seen Coyle twice in a day and asks her what she's doing there. And this is the best part. She, like, quick as a flash, she goes, hard drugs. That was a great line. We laughed out loud in our household. Me too. I loved it. And Rage's eyebrows just shot up. <laughs> And then um, Tarage tells her she, she needs to be earning brownie points in her house. And she said, well, I never did brownies. And Tarage goes, shocked. <laughs> I love it. it was all sass. They have a great dynamic. And I did enjoy Tarage Cinderella-ing Roxy. Because really, Roxy doesn't have a leg to stand on. She's living there, I guess, rent-free at her auntie's house. Barely her auntie at that. Yeah. Demolishes the joint every few days. So really, she can put some dishes away and... Run the dustbuster. Mm. Then we're over at Shea Canning and Coyle is dressed in his best farmer wants a wife going out clothes. (laughs) 
He's in like fawn chinos and a nice shirt. No, nice one. It was. My question for both of you together is what did you think of his date look? I, I think he looked like a guy from Farmer Wants a Wife going on a, f- a fancy scrub up dinner at the local pub. CJ? I mean, I thought he was adorable. <laughs> he was cute. And, you know, I have a passion for the check shirt. And it wasn't a check shirt, but it was in the check shirt family. <laughs> and which is why. He, he did look a little bit, it looked a little bit Liberal Party member. Yeah. 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 I was waiting for one of you to say yeah. that because that's what the vibe I got. <laughs> And it, and his shirt was tucked in, which is which is a whole level there. <laughs> so yeah. And then Coyle reveals that they're going to the terrace, and this was like Roxy's line of the night. <sighs> I don't want to go there. It's expensive. The cocktails are showy, and it's just full of boomers who are spending their rent money from their tenth investment property. Can we just stay here? Full of boomers who are spending their rent money from their tenth investment property. <laughs> I love this line because I don't think Kyle has investment properties, but I feel like she kind of just threw a bit of shade that he's older than her. I don't know. I just, I love it. It's the first time we've seen Roxy have a great deal of insight. I don't think anybody on the show would have said something like that, except maybe Chloe. It's definitely a slur on the Brendan because they're all like buying each other's investment properties off each other. And Mark would have a great time up at that terrace. I feel like Coos would have a couple of investment properties. Yeah. Carl would be the worst landlord. It's like, oh, we need a clothesline. Too bad. Put out a clothes horse. (laughs) I can't imagine they have anything other than what we see. Wait a second. Of course they do. The tram. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's his investment. Yeah. Question, Kate. How did you find Roxy's alternative meal plan for their date? Oh, well, she, yeah, she just wants to stay at Shea Canning and have burgers, beers and watch really bad TV. Which speaks to all of our hearts, I'd say. Yeah, I think so. I think that sound pretty, sounds pretty good. I mean, in our lockdown at the moment, I've got into watching MASH again. So <laughs> if my husband said, do you want me to get burgers and we'll sit down and watch like a three-hour MASH marathon, I'd be like, sounds good to me. <laughs> so it, this is the weirdest part of this whole storyline though, right? So they're wanting to get burgers. So if you were in Erinsborough, where would you go for burgers? GMs. Exactly. Grease monkeys. They get their burgers from the home of the deconstructed taco, Harold's. That was perplexing. I'd, I'd go there if I wanted a English breakfast. Or do you know what? Do you know what I'm getting? Um, Deliveroo'd from Harold's because I noticed it when Kyle and Roxy were sitting in front of the chalkboard menu. I would like to give props to Dippy for her lovely menu labelling because I can have the gluten free option of a breakfast bowl or the uh, black sticky rice. Both GF options for me. Thank you, Dippy. Nice. I'll take one to go of each. I wonder what was in the sticky rice. That sounds awful. It does sound pretty gross. I'm going to go the breakfast bowl. Yeah. Gaz can special recipe. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's pigeon related. Okay, so they're at the cafe and Roxy's kind of making love to her burger and um, that apparently spurred Coyle on to go and take an emergency poo. <laughs> <laughs> It's not often mentioned on Neighbours that people have to run to the toilet, but this seemed super urgent. It was so weird because she was like, why do you need to go to the toilet? He's like, because I do. He's like, I'm touching cloth. Come on, I'll be back in two minutes. Mm. Um, and of course, when he was out, um, that's when Ned comes into Harold's and then spills the beans to Roxy that Coyle's got some feels for her. So Roxy then puts two and two together and realises that Coyle thinks they're on a date. So she decides she needs to have a DNM with him in Harold's instead of going back to Shay Canning. Also, you missed, you went over my, my favourite line, which was when Roxy told Kyle not to take too long in the dunny because she's left behind with her fiancé, which is the burger. <laughs> 
that was an excellent line. And also, I hate it when people ruin the warm – like you've only got a certain amount of minutes before the food gets cold. Mm. I hate it when people ruin those minutes for me. <laughs> if he's saying he's only going to be two minutes, he's in like some dire straits. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. He's going to crap his Dax on the way back to Ramsey Street. <laughs> he's the poo jogger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but after, you know, with that DNM, I'm thinking, oh, I bet he's relieved that he went to the toilet first. Oh, yeah. Okay, but Cole's still interested in her, but she's unsure, knowing that he's going through some heavy shit with his de- Gazcan grief at the moment. And Roxy leaves, and Coyle's looking a bit pensive. And I'm thinking maybe he's contemplating dating women his own age, do you reckon? No. <laughs> No one ever contemplates that. So back at Paul Rage's house, um, Roxy's debriefing with Ned. She likes Coyle, but she's afraid of being hurt. And Ned shows his true Willis side and offers some totally useless advice about how Coyle's a good guy. (laughs) And then she says, the good guys hurt you just as much as the bad ones when it ends. And Ned, with a complete lack of self-reflection, says, the bad ones aren't worth the risk. If only he could record a voice memo and send that straight to Yashvi. (laughs) I'm only going to ruin your career. I did quite enjoy, I think it was his point where Roxy said, oh, but I don't think he's ready. He's grieving his dad. And Ned was like, yeah, does he say he's ready? She's like, yeah, all right. That's all you need. I'm like, oh, I kind of give Roxy some respect here for being intuitive about this man's emotional state before thrusting him into a relationship. But okay, Ned, don't worry about that. No, Ned's thick as a brick. He's a Willis. But also it's not like he's grieving his wife. Like, you know, nothing gets you over the, the grief like something else to focus on. Mm. It's not like he's hooked back uh, up with um, Amy again. You know, it's not like he's he's hooking up with his dad's ex-girlfriend. Yeah, see, that would be weird. Yeah, you need a distraction. Like this pandemic has brought out things like we've become pen pals with our neighbours' kids. And, you know, sometimes new things emerge, nice things. Mm. This could be a nice thing that emerges from a bleak period. Roxy comes back to Shay Canning for the third time that day. Same outfit. And bizarrely, Coyle has decided to apologise to her by hand-making a decoupage apology card. <laughs> and the, the message inside looks more like a ransom note. <laughs> it's, it's cut, in cut-out letters, it says, I'm sorry I'm not perfect. Because he's cut out a picture of Staffy and plonked it on the front. And it turns out that Staffies are apparently her favourite dog, which is something he remembered from a while back. Guess what? I remember it too. That's an amazing callback because wow. she said with, when Vance was in town, like, I want us to have a couple of sprogs and some Staffies and a property. Like, I remember it. Amazing. I thought that that card, I mean, the sentiment was adorable. And the fact that he used wordplay. Was it? Did he have to apologise to her? Like, what for? <laughs> Until he opened it. Because he just wanted to get back into her pants, so he needed a reason to talk to her. Also, I apologise for everything when I'm awkward in a, you know, in a relationship dynamic. What a saddest bitch in Arisborough to say, I'm sorry I'm not perfect. <laughs> no, that's not the reason why she's not into you, mate. Do you want me to run the sting? Is it that worthy? Uh, I don't know, because that stupid-ass card actually made Roxy change her mind. She wants to go on a date with him, but this time she's playing a date. Only rule is no trackies, which is tracky decks, a.k.a. like shell pants. I have more questions about the card. Who has magazines lying around their house? Sheila Canning. Yeah. Okay, Sheila. Which magazines does she have lying around the house? Mm, new idea. Maybe some cooking ones. Okay. And what is her, what is her reaction when she finds out her grandson's been using them for arts and crafts? She's hitting the roof. Well, I mean, she's too busy spraying her counter because some girls just sat on it. 
with her method spray. Oh, what a delight. Anyway, ladies, I reckon Coxie, they'll be married within the year, I tells you. Yeah, we're due for another wedding. Oh, yeah. Or at least get pregnant. Oh, which? Baby. 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 On the baby. Jet Mac has spawned. <gasps> yep. Paige is up the duff. Who in their in the world would have thought that my pregnancy would have spanned both Ellie's and Paige's? What world are we living in? Oh, my gosh. She really is fertile, Myrtle. She got pregnant first time with old mate, former, former father. Yeah. And then obviously just one shot again, this time with Detmeg. Wow, one shot Smith. Kate, when did you, uh, the last six weeks have felt to me like seven years. When did she leave? Oh, in the week after the anniversary week. So maybe that was three weeks ago. So she's two weeks pregnant. Which makes sense. She'd be able to get a positive pregnancy test. I think I think the maths is correct. Okay. They've all gone mad to have dr- celebratory drinks at the pub though, guys. Just right. Yeah, I know. Wait, wait till you got the first scan. I don't subscribe to the wait 12 weeks thing to tell people because I think, you know, if you want your loved ones to be part of this information and the journey, then fine. But let's just calm the celebrations down a little bit <laughs> until you've talked to your GP. Well, I mean, well, Paige is not there. So they don't even know that she, she doesn't even know this is happening. But also, like, maybe this is time for Mark to say, oh, my wife is pregnant with a child that I've wanted my entire life and I'm just going to stay here and watch this court case play out with my ex-wife who, by the way, Mark, in case you're wondering, she lied to you and told you that she was pregnant with your baby and put a fake scan that was of your dead child <laughs> yeah. in a frame. God, that was awful. Exactly. And so why is he still hanging around? The minute that Paige rang, he should have said, okay, cool. See ya. Half an hour. I'll be there. P.S. You know what she could have done? CJ gave me a nice gift of um, a photo frame that you put the scan photo in. And when she handed it to me, it took me a few minutes to realize that was not my child in the frame. It was the one that came with the frame. (laughs) I was like, how did she go? Oh, okay. It's it's a stock image. I'm very wily. I was just cleaning up and I found the the insert today and I put it in the recycle bin and I thought Ellie could have just grabbed, gone down to Kmart. <laughs> gone down to Kmart. Yeah. What a bee for taking the dead child. It's a hop on Google Images, love. There's probably some evil website where you can put your own name into the thing. Yeah, because if I could fall for it, debt mechs all, all over it. It's probably like a Canva template for that, really. <laughs> 100% for sure. So that leads us to another plot point. David and Aaron want to become foster carers, which is beautiful. However, I was a little bit annoyed that Mark sort of dismissed it as a short-term thing. They were like, oh, but it's only short-term. And Mark's like, yeah, but that's fine. It's still a loving situation. And I'm like, but a lot of foster carers become permanent carers. So it could have been a good opportunity to say, well, in this country, adoption is not a very viable route because of our adoption laws, but a lot of people foster to adopt. And that's a good long-term possibility. My husband was watching this with me and he just started singing the Home and Away theme whenever the foster family (laughs) stories came up. I'm out of touch with Summer Bay. I wonder if they still do the fostering over there at the caravan park. Someone's got to let me know. I'm sure. I don't know how Summer Bay would function without that. 
The thing is, is that I looked into fostering and adoption and a lot of fostering is emergency and short term. Yeah. And so I think that they were actually being quite realistic when when he said that. For instance, there's a lot of foster care where you actually – it's kind of like big brother, big sister in the sense that the person might come to your house every week, every month, one weekend to give – their um, permanent care respite. respite care. Yeah, so you don't go into that thinking that they you are going to adopt them. You just go into them to care for them. So I thought it was actually really realistic. Well, that's good. Well, David's response to it, I'm going to talk about in a, in a moment. But CJ, I'll let you finish off our final beat for the week that we should touch on. She had a lot of airtime last week, but we'll give her some this week too. She had a bloody lot of airtime this week too. <laughs> We'll just fast forward to the fact that Ali has been made an offer, which apparently Sky has wielded, um, that she needs to take a guilty plea, but in exchange for that, she won't get any jail time. So she toys around with the idea and Mark gives her a couple of really stern looks because he can't talk about it a lot, but he says, you know, you know what you need to do. And she takes, well, she takes the offer as in they're taking it to court. So Finn's mum is sniffing around this all the time because her big plan was to try and take the baby once she went to prison. So it looks like she's not going to prison now. So there's a lot of um, trial prep going on. Toadie's really on on the ball with this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I glazed over a lot of that. And he kept saying, it's so easy. It's such an easy case. I'm like, mate, Toadie, do not fall asleep at the wheel here. Yeah. And like for some reason, like Ellie's completely put her guard down when it comes to Claudia and is like discussing, you know, the the references and like the sticky details in front of her. It can't be that hard up for a babysitter. Like baby Aster's only, what, six months old? I don't know, not even that, four months old? She would sleep a lot. The, a lot of these things can happen when she's in the pram beside you. And she's an adorable child. She seems to be very well behaved. So I feel like I don't understand. Also, when a child's that age, they go on their play mat and just lay there. Or the bouncer or something. Yeah. You know, I can't wait to um, take all these tips on when I'm prepping for my murder trial. Yes. Oh, thank goodness you've got this around. <laughs> First step, you need to get not get toady. Perhaps find a lawyer that has no eyebrows. Maybe she she seems more on the ball. Yeah, cool. This is how we end the week. We know that Ali is really upset that Chloe thinks maybe she's guilty. So she's heading into her court case with the possibility that she's actually going to stand up and say she's not guilty and fuck it all up. Oh, fuck it all up in her funeral blacks. Yeah. We know that um, Finn's mum has a plan and she doesn't need any luck with it. Blackmail to judge. And Sam Fitzgerald has extra intel that she's going to drop. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen next week. Kate, do you have a premonition for us? I don't know. Can you guys think of anything else? Um, No, but I'm just thrilled that we got Ellie's full name in the promo. (gasps) What was it again? Eleanor Leanna Rose Conway. How extra is that, Liz? Yeah. Chuck an extra middle name in there. B probably doesn't. B's probably like B, C. D. Please. D. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I just saw a promo on Channel 10 because apparently they advertise Neighbours on Channel 10 now. Sure. That D's back next week. Yes. Next week? Yeah. Oh, that's going to cheer up Toad when he loses his case. (laughs) Oh, that's good. I'm glad he's got that. All right. All right. Strap in. 
Can we go back to the name? Because yes. I feel like, you know, Vera, you and I are a bit of name nerds and I feel Eleanor Leanna does not flow well. Doesn't flow well. And also no one's ever called her Eleanor. And also the judge pronounced it like Eleanor, like the Greek Helen. Mm. So I was a bit confused. I'm like, oh, Liz has thrown in a European flavour. But no, it's <laughs> Eleanor. <laughs> Maybe her hick name is Ellie Leanna. Ellie Leanna. And I was watching it with subtitles. It wasn't Liana. It was actually Leanne with an A on the end. It's very intriguing and I can't believe we haven't heard it till now. I've, wow. I'm intrigued by the bonus rose in there too. What's that about? I mean, that sounds classic, Liz. I need Liz back. I need Liz to explain this. So, I, look, I keep thinking about when that press article that came around uh, the time of Endgame where she said, the actor said, it was a grim end for her. Well, going to prison's not positive. No, that's terrible. I'm, I've got deep concerns. Well, let's do Citizen and Citizen. I can kick us off. I'm going to do Citizen of the Week, Dr. Knacker, for supporting Harlow during her turmoil and saying to her, she's like, I don't have any family left that's good. And he said, we're your family, me and Aaron. He has room in his heart. Like he changed, he was ready to change gears so swiftly when they're like, oh, stupid old Mark's having a baby. I want a baby. And then Mark's like, what about foster care? And he just jumped on board that bandwagon so quickly and opened his heart to the possibility of helping kids in need. I'm like, well done you. There are many ways to build a family and I approve of this one. Um, I've got a citizen too, and it goes to Gary Francis Xavier Canning, who Ooh. has come back on the show no. in the form of a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Just a middle-aged pig- right. pigeon hanging out with his mum. Fully having cups of tea with her. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Hendrix, citizen for Hendrix. Um, I don't love the macho Cohen pull the guy to the ground attitude that he has generally, but I feel that when it's Mackenzie and Harlow who are both like Har- Mackenzie's a deer in the headlights, and Harlow <laughs> is she's been through too much. She can't be the slam down person at the moment. He has to do that for her. Yeah, and I quite liked it. I mean, I mean, who would think I wouldn't have? <laughs> but. <laughs> And he's fresh from PT. He's match fit. Yeah, he get, he's still got ropes in his life. So I'm for him. Amazing. That's the week. I can't believe it's going to be a D week and a court case week. Oh, Maybe court case means it's not D. Maybe it's the other one, Andrea. Maybe Andrea's back in the prison. <gasps> I, I did read that somewhere that, yeah, she is coming back in two forms. Oh, so she could be a cellmate. Oh, no. Ellie's Sally. <laughs> Oh, that's next episode title. Woo! Ellie's gonna be her bitch, oh. <laughs> and she'll be like, "Hang on, you were represented by my friend Jared. I boned him. We had a kid together. Well, that was a delight. We are neighborspod.com. That's where all our back catalogue is. If you want it, our Patreon is patreon.com/neighborspod. CJ, where are you? I'm at CJ the Hot Mess Mum on Instagram. Kate, I'm at Remude on Twitter. I'm Vaya Pashos on Twitter and our Facebook group is Neighbours Council. Just go in there if you want to do a quiz and <laughs> uh, we'll have another chat next week. Happy Greek Easter or Greaster as we call it in my household. Happy Greaster. <laughs> Thanks, girls. Bye. 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 Bye.